0: This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts.
1: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. I'm Federico Saleri, and I'm a consultant within our online solutions practice in London. Today, we'll be covering the evolving threat of ransomware attacks to corporate entities, highlighting threat actors, strategies, and tactics, the operational costs involved in dealing with ransomware attacks, and we'll share our forecast on where this trend is going and what it means to our clients and businesses globally. I'm joined today by colleagues from our Cyber Threat Intelligence Department and our Cyber Response Practice. Starting from the CTI team, we have Joe Buckley, He's our Senior Analyst based in London. Hi, Joe, and welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, Fede. Thank you very much for the introduction. It's a pleasure
1: to be here today. Thanks, Joe. We also have Felix Manig. He's our Analyst, also in our CTI department, currently sitting in a different borough in London. Hi, Felix. Thank you for joining. Hi, Fede. Thank you. It's good to be here. And last but certainly not least, Mark Fawcett, Senior Consultant in our Cyber Response and Crisis Management Practice. Mark, thank you for joining. Thank you very pleasure. Joe, let's start with you. As we are seeing a spike in ransomware operations globally, can you give us some details on the current threat environment? What is driving this uptick and more generally, why are you and the team concerned about it at the moment?
2: The threat from ransomware right now has really increased, in our view, quite significantly over the past 18 to 24 months. And it's really due to quite a few concerning factors that have really kind of combined to kind of create this quite significant threat environment. The threat actors that we follow, the most organized and advanced, they're becoming increasingly targeted at large businesses, at corporate entities... And they're really starting to adopt quite clear strategies that aim to victimize companies that they perceive to be most impacted by encryption of systems, by a loss of availability of data, or even potentially a loss of total operational capability. And it's all done really in order to ensure the highest level of success for these groups. And certainly what we're starting to see through a number of different factors, more and more actors getting involved in ransomware as a way to modernize criminal activity, the increase in the number of these groups, the increase in capabilities has really led to an overall increase in the number of incidents. It's led to an increase in The amount of operational disruption that companies experience when targeted by ransomware through a combination of increased downtime increased operational costs the types of systems that have been targeted are often kind of business critical systems manufacturing systems operational technologies such as industrial control systems which companies really need to run and to continue to make profit as a business on top of this and really kind of compounding the threat are constantly changing and emerging tactics. And a key tactic is the hack and leak tactic, where ransomware groups, before they encrypt and prevent access to systems, actually steal and and, or exfiltrate data from target companies Often, quite sensitive data that would be perceived to be impactful for the victims, clients, and for its people, and then there's an additional level of extortion where the ransomware groups threatened to leak this data. It's an incredibly powerful tool, and, and it certainly impacted the threat landscape. This is all happening in the backdrop, of COVID-19, clearly financial impacts, the pandemic are quite clear, the impacts it's having on budgets and, and kind of the impact it's having on operational capability more broadly as well. So there's a number of factors really that are coming together right now that make us quite concerned about the threat that ransomware groups pose to any business.
1: Felix, from a strategic point of view and looking at the targeting pattern of ransomware groups, Can you tell us a bit more about the types of victims of such attacks and what sort
0: of organizations are mainly under threat? In terms of the number of attacks that we're seeing, we see a lot of focus on government and public sector organizations. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. These entities, they're often underfunded. They tend to not allocate enough spending on security. They tend to use outdated hardware and software. And so that just makes them easier targets for attackers. Disruption of these services, especially public services, can be really impactful. We've seen this with attacks on, for example, fire departments where they were unable to service their communities because their systems were encrypted. So I think the of reported attacks against the public sector is a little bit skewed. The sector has requirements about public disclosure when they have a critical cyber event on premises. So they need to report it. The private sector as a whole is much more targeted. And we see this in our data and intelligence collection. We see a high number of of incidents of ransomware attacks against pharmaceutical companies, healthcare companies, IT manufacturers, and also transport and logistics companies. And again, here we can see some common drivers. So, Again, these companies are targeted because there's a perception that a ransomware attack will cause really significant amount of operational disruption. It'll damage the victim's ability to serve its customers, produce consumer goods or perform medical procedures and so on. So all of these targets, they have a very low or even no appetite for operational downtime. We see attackers really moving from targeting individuals and small operations to now setting their sights on these larger companies and their key suppliers and their key supply chains that can really afford to pay larger ransoms. And and we've seen this in late 2019 and also in the first half of 2020, where ransomware operators have combined ransomware extortion and those data leak attacks to really maximize their their chances of profiteering from, from such campaigns. And I think if we talk about sectors and the type of targets, these type of hack and leak attacks mean that also... We should expect that financial and professional services are also likely to be increasingly targeted as these hack and leak methods are, are leveraged by ransomware groups.
1: I'm staying with you, Felix, for the follow up. What about the geography factor? Where are we seeing these attacks more likely to happen? And is there a correlation between the threat actors' country of origin and the target?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very interesting question. So of course, ransomware attacks can affect organizations globally. But what we do see in our intelligence collection, that really indicates that threat actors are particularly focusing on targets that are based in developed economies. This is likely due to again the perception that you know these organizations there hold the largest financial assets and as such offer the greatest opportunity for return when they're being targeted and this is you know particularly the case for some of these larger well-known well-capitalized companies headquartered in you know your developed markets in north america western europe some in states with a high gdp also in the asia pacific apac region so overall over the past 24 months we've seen Organizations in North America, in Western Europe, Japan, Australia—they've been really most affected by ransomware attacks. We also see heightened levels of ransomware attacks in places like India and Brazil, which is interesting. You know, you still have these large organizations and multinationals that that operate there, and they—they fit the targeting profile of these ransomware groups, but also. There's a perception among criminal groups that organizations in India and in Brazil, for example, have overall lower cybersecurity defenses and are therefore preferred targets.
1: Thanks, Felix. And, and Mark, I promise I'll get to you in a moment. But before I do so, from strategy to tactics, Joe, a few words on the attack vector. How are these ransomware groups targeting companies globally?
2: We're really looking at an incredibly diverse Set of individuals and groups that are targeting companies using ransomware. On the far end, we have groups that are pretty closed. They're groups of individuals who are skilled across the kind of cyber and and the kind of the criminal capability set and are really quite skilled at gaining kind of persistent access to large companies. And I think the success that a lot of these groups have had has built. What we sometimes term as a, as a as a franchise model, where some groups are now opening up, they're vetting individuals and allowing them to ultimately buy into a franchise model, and that's where we see our first diffusion of of kind of skill sets that they're using in actually enabling ransomware attacks, and then finally we have the totally commoditized ransomware. As a service model where a ransomware tool is sold ultimately to anybody who has the available cash to buy such a tool, looking at our own internal incident data and the attack vectors that we collect, we see really quite a drastic range from quite sophisticated and highly targeted spear phishing campaigns, the enabling of persistent access to corporate networks using, you know, quite bespoke and effective criminal tools, all the way to really quite low sophistication spam campaigns and, and kind of vulnerability scanning methods used to try and find web facing and internet connected assets of key target companies. Looking at our database, phishing and spear phishing makes up approximately 50% of all initial access into victim organizations. Phishing is simple, it's effective, and, and it's quite easy to kind of play on the emotions of staff members using what we term as social engineering. We've seen a significant number of phishing campaigns really play on the, on the fear that's induced by the global pandemic. And that fear is is used to entice recipients of of these phishing emails into opening kind of malicious attachments or giving away important credentials and passwords and the next most common tactic for access is manipulation of remote access tools where individual staff members devices are targeted by ransomware groups ultimately to enable an access to the company's corporate network people and are working from home and this is an absolutely key access vector in order to target individuals and companies to then access the kind of broader corporate networks, critical systems and critical files, the aptly named Evil Core, also known as Wasted locker have targeted a large number of, of companies using these kind of remote access techniques, targeting home workers, and it's going to continue to be a key vector going forward. It's important to consider both attacks that go against your network, but also to consider who your suppliers are. And and any weak links could potentially be targeted by ransomware groups to enable an access to your network. And as well, there's a huge benefit for ransomware groups and other threat actors in targeting the supply chain. It's incredibly effective and efficient to target a cloud service provider who has a large number of clients who can be impacted directly by targeting the cloud service provider. And then the final tactic that that really is sometimes forgotten but is absolutely critical to consider is the threat from removable media, from USB sticks and other physical access methods into corporate networks. It's certainly a trend that we've seen and witnessed have huge impact in operational technology environments. We've seen it have an impact in the maritime environment as well, where USB sticks have been inadvertently introduced into ship networks and led to a high level of operational disruption.
1: Mark, I'd like to get your perspective on the operational aspect of suffering ransomware attacks. Throughout your experience running our incident response services and coordinating all the different areas involved in crisis management, what are the critical issues that a victim face when infected by this type of malware? Thankfully, in terms of operational
3: impact of a ransomware attack, they've remained you know, fairly similar over the years. Uh, I think one big change we've seen is, is just the sheer number of these attacks. So our team has doubled in size in the last year just to deal with the influx of cases that the clients are seeing. And, and a large proportion, more than half of them are ransomware attacks ransomware it will often be delivered to achieve one of two goals or both of them. So the operational disruption through encryption of the data. And then secondly the data extortion. So the extraction and then leak of that data. I think we've seen that go through four four key phases. So historically, data extortion was often mentioned by the attackers in the ransom notes, but it's rarely substantiated. uh, And commonly, the forensic investigation identified no indication of data having been stolen. So it wasn't necessarily a critical issue. However, they started to to substantiate those threats, so they'd be able to provide proof of it. But at that point, 12, 24 months ago, there was no sort of public profiles to these groups, no real, known, leak websites that were, that were getting a lot of traction. It's important to note as well, you know, this is post the inception of big data protection regulations such as GDPR, which has driven these incidents to be more public. However, the operational disruption has remained throughout that period as the key critical issue. More recently, we've we've seen the, the data leak elements, and the data extortion becoming more more prominent in the decision making process when, when responding to these incidents. So we've seen a large spike of groups exfiltrating data. That combined with having a very public profile means the regulatory and reputational issues of a data leak coming online is significant. The operational disruption continues to be you know, the main decision driver during that period. The data leak was sort of a secondary consideration as to whether a concession was required in a given ransomware situation, mainly because organisations often opted to go public on the issue to mitigate the data extortion as opposed to look to make a concession. I think, though, we're starting in it to enter into what I'll call the fourth phase, of the current phase, where we've seen data extortion being pushed all the way up to be a item number one. And that doesn't mean to say, you know, operational disruption. If you know your, your business cannot operate, is not going to be a significant and critical issue. But you know, we're seeing some organisations consider concessions even when there is potentially little or no operational disruption. It's important to note we don't advocate making a concession to resolve these issues. But when an organisation
1: is faced with an issue such as these, you know, it is often the only way out for them. Okay guys, a question to, to all of you now. Uh, looking at future trends, can you share your assessments on where ransomware groups are headed to and what do we expect to see over the next
0: few months? So we've mentioned that you know, the clear motive for ransomware attackers is to cause operational disruption to the victim company. And we have mentioned the increased targeting of IT and digital supply chain of companies. But I believe beyond those digital supply chains, it's also likely that, you know, your traditional physical supply chains will be a strategic priority for for ransomware groups in the next 12 months in late 2019 and also in the first half of 2020. We've really seen a spate of incidents targeting those types of organizations. If we think about the transport and logistics sector, manufacturers, healthcare, also in the maritime sector, we've mentioned this, that really these criminals, they understand that There's a huge knock-on effect when you target these sectors. There's a huge knock-on effect on their clients, and that effect will really substantially increase the pressure on these organizations to really pay a ransom to restore their systems and their operations as quickly as they can to avoid that operational downtime.
2: We expect the trend of of hack and leak, of stealing data and extorting companies as part of ransomware attacks, using that stolen data to really continue and to kick off as a trend across most ransomware groups. For example, the law firm Government Shire was hit with Southern Akobi ransomware, up to 756 gigabytes of data was stolen. And the ransom demand there in that case was approximately $21 million. The ransom wasn't paid. But clearly there, there's a combination between the most significant ransomware attacks and also ransomware attacks that have a data theft element. And we expect groups to really look to to continue and increase this because it's an excellent way of Increasing the chance of success of monetizing these attacks, even if groups are unsuccessful in enticing a ransom demand from the companies that they're targeting, we'd expect the data that they've stolen as part of these attacks to be monetized through sale, deep and dark websites, through auctions of the data, and really any other method that they can find to turn that sense of data into something valuable, whether that's sold or potentially even use future attacks, blackmail, or targeted attacks against clients of these companies. So data leak is going to increasingly become part and parcel really of,
0: of ransomware attacks in the future. And I think if I can just jump back towards another strategic trend that I believe we should keep an eye out in the next 12 months is really an increased ransomware threat from state actors and their proxies. So at the moment, we know that, for example, North Korea uses cyber criminal techniques to obtain funds for the state to counter international sanctions. So far, these types of attacks, they've really focused on fraud methods targeting financial institutions, cryptocurrency exchanges to really steal funds directly. But we also know that North Korea has ransomware capabilities. They've demonstrated this in the 2017 WannaCry campaign. And more recently, there are also increasing indications that North Korean threat actors are really working together with organized criminal groups, purchasing tools from them, purchasing malware frameworks from them. It's likely that North Korea will continue to adapt its existing tool set for financial fraud. And there's also a likelihood that it will increasingly extort companies using ransomware capabilities to obtain funds for the state. We can also talk about other states, and I've briefly mentioned this before, like Russia. Russia maintains links to cybercriminal organizations for access to some sensitive information to increase its deniability. But it's also likely that Russia is really aware of the activity by some of the cyber criminal groups that are based in its territory, and it permits essentially cyber criminal attacks on organizations that are based outside of Russia and outside of the Commonwealth of Independent States. And so uh, we assess it is likely that Russia will continue to allow these cyber criminal groups to target companies, particularly in Europe and in North America, using ransomware extortion techniques. And you can also see this as a form of economic warfare that directly benefits Russian foreign policy aims.
3: Another type of attack that we see that is admittedly not ransomware, which is the topic of this podcast, but I'll I'll use it to explain my point, is payment diversion fraud as a result of gaining access to corporate mailbox or an email inbox. Typically, uh, perpetrators will gain access. They'll find a mailbox that is used to make payments. They'll then adapt a legitimate invoice and put fraudulent bank details. That's very much relied upon the fact that you can make a payment to a bank account with a sort code in the account number and the account name in, in any way does not match the, the payment details of the intended recipient. However, banks are very recently actually getting a lot hotter at stopping this kind of fraud. I think what we'll start to see is the ability to monetize business email compromise of sort of low-level cyber criminal groups uh, significantly reduce. I think what we'll see, um, which we've seen historically, is the ability of these groups to repurpose their capabilities into other things. Ransomware is, is a proven method that we have no reason to believe in the short, medium, or long term anyway. The frequency will, will reduce. So I think those those criminal groups will start to switch their focus from instead of gaining access to an email inbox to commit payment diversion fraud, that we're looking to gain access to a mailbox to gain a foothold onto a network and then pass that off to the other sort of either another cyber criminal group or another another team within the same cybercriminal group uh, to to commit and perpetrate extortion, i.e. deliver a ransomware attack.
1: When working with clients, have you seen elements being overlooked common mistakes that can be easily fixed or in general areas where companies have struggled when suffering from ransomware. It would be great to have one golden nugget from from each of you.
0: I think
2: it's really important to consider your company's cyber threat profile. And that includes understanding kind of who the key ransomware groups are, which sectors and geographies they, they focus on. But most importantly, kind of getting into a position where... You've you've identified the ransomware groups who, who you think might be of concern to you, and then you identify the tactics that they're likely to use against you. So you can then build proactively the right controls, the right mitigations, develop the right training for staff members really before those attacks actually happen. And once you've understood that profile and you understand the groups that are of concern to you, you can ensure that the intelligence collection activity that you're doing is nice and tightly focused on the groups that are of highest priority, that any controls or mitigation that you're putting in place is proportionate to that that threat picture. And also you're prioritizing the controls and the protection that you're putting in place in, in a manner that, that is realistic and, and is absolutely relevant to the threat picture that you face as an organization. And, and and that's the approach that control risks takes really in all of our engagements on any threat it applies beyond ransomware in encountering in, in other criminal groups, as, as Mark's alluded to, whether that's payment diversion fraud groups, or if that's more advanced nation state groups, or the emerging activist and environmentalist threat groups who are quickly increasing their capabilities and intent
0: to target companies globally. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point. And I just want to add to this note of having that proactive view of how to protect against ransomware attacks and other malicious activities. So I think for me, I would say really keep an eye also on the strategic trends and the factors that influence targeting patterns. I think having a strategic intelligence can really help organizations identify trends on some of the changing tactics, techniques, and procedures. It will give you a better understanding of what sort of sectors and what sort of geographies are particularly affected. And it will also help your um, security teams gain really rich content around the incidents that they may see and may have to deal with, particularly around intent and motivation of some of the key threat actors today and also information about what sort of actors and tactics we may see in the coming months or even further down the line.
3: I'll focus on backups as my key golden nugget, as you put it, Fed, not only to make sure that, of course, you've got a backup strategy. I think one thing that we see all too often is we find a large organization who believe they have a robust backup strategy. But in reality, when when faced with the question, can you recover all of your systems in a timely manner and a safe manner, that being said, using the backups that you have, the response is all too often no. They've done DR tests on a single system or a small set of systems, but you know, re- recovering a whole network, which in reality is the worst case scenario, it's just something that's not been considered. So uh, I'd urge organizations to think long and hard about whether their backup strategy can be considered a suitable recovery strategy, should the whole environment be taken down. And in the best case scenario, you know, test that and try it out because recovering one system is very different to recovering a number of systems in a whole network.
1: Thank you all very much for sharing your analysis and advice, of course, on a threat that concerns every organization. On the line, we had Joe Buckley and Felix Menig from our Cyber Threat Intel department, and of course, contributors to our subscription platform, Core. Guys, thank you very much for joining.
2: Thank you, Fede.
3: Thank you, Fede.
1: And of course, Mark Fossett, senior consultant from our Cyber Response Practice. Thank you very much, Mark.
3: No problem, thank you very much.
1: I'm Federico Saleri, and from London, thank you all very much for listening to In Focus.
0: If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of InFocus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.